Well, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Wayne Northup, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Saints Community Church. We are one church in three uh, locations. In fact, uh, today is the first day that we are actually live streaming my sermon right now, and so I wonder if we could just welcome everybody that's watching via live stream. We welcome you. We have the same mission in all of those locations, and that is that we're reaching imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus. This morning, we are uh, doing, we have somebody special, a group of people in the room that are very special that we're very excited to introduce. Uh, and uh, Pastor Juan uh, Roberto, Juan Roberto, did I get it right? And Susana Juarez. And yeah. Several months ago, we got connected to this beautiful couple. And through a series of events, the pandemic has been just as difficult on their church as it has been on every church. And they were coming to a place where they were going to have nowhere to meet as a church. And they approached us. Mm -hmm. And they said, is there any way that we could meet in your church? And so the elders prayed on it. We did some research on them. And one of the things that we found out is that they were connected to uh, somebody that is a friend of ours named Pastor Denny Duran. And they were connected to many of uh, Assembly of God friends that we have. So it seemed good to the Holy Spirit bien al Santo and good to the elders. Y a los ancianos. And so we have invited them los hemos invitado to meet on Sunday evenings a que se los sábados y los domingos in our Student Life Center. En el Student Life Center en la tarde. And we are so excited y estamos tan emocionados that we have been able to extend the invitation poder extender la invitación to Casa del Alfarero a la Casa del Alfarero to be able to, be, to meet at Saints Community Church para poder reunirse aquí en Saints Community Church because how many of you know we are the body of Christ porque cuantos ustedes saben somos el cuerpo de Cristo and mi casa es tu casa y mi casa es tu casa in fact could, could I could I invite Pastor and his wife to come on up? Podría Pastor Juan Roberto y su esposa Susana pasar adelante. Yeah, and that's their whole church. Everybody stand. Y también invitaron toda la congregación. Pónganse de pie. Pastor, we love you. Pastor, los amamos. We trust you. Tenemos confianza en ustedes. And welcome. Y bienvenidos. Uh, entonces, bienvenidos. Welcome. A, a tu casa. <laughs> to your house. Mi to casa your house. Es tu casa. My house is your house. 
And I'm running out of my Spanish words. Y ahí se acabó el español mío. <laughs> Will you just take a second and greet the people Puedo this morning? Puedo tomar un momento y eh, decir aló a la gente. God bless you. Señor les bendiga. <laughs> Dios les bendiga. God bless you. Es una bendición poder estar en su casa. It is a blessing to be in your house. Mi casa. <laughs> Now our house. <laughs> Estamos muy agradecidos We are so grateful a Dios, to God, a los pastores, to the pastors, los ancianos de la iglesia, to the elders of this church, y a todo el cuerpo de Cristo, and to the entire body of Christ, que nos ha abierto las puertas, that you have opened the door, para congregarnos allí en el fondo, que es be, muy lindo, to be able to meet over in this beautiful building next door. Anoche tuvimos nuestro primer servicio, last night we had our first service here, y nuestra gente estaba muy emocionada. Our people, our people were so moved. Así que somos parte de, de este equipo. So we're part of this team. De un equipo de campeones. A team of champions. Y creo, como dice la palabra, And I believe, like the word of God says, que la gloria postrera that the glory will fall. Será mayor que la primera. The glory that comes will be greater in the latter days than in the former. Muchas Man. gracias. Thank you so much. Dios les bendiga. God bless you. Uh, estamos muy emocionados, contentos de estar con ustedes aquí. We are so excited, emotional, happy to be here. Queremos presentar a Casa del Alfarero. We want to present Casa del Alfarero. Algunos faltan. A few are missing. Pero aquí estamos presentes. But here we are together with you. Como un solo cuerpo. As one body. Porque usted y nosotros Because you and us, Somos el de we are the body of Christ. Nos une un mismo amor. He unites us in the same love. Un mismo sentir. A same feeling. Ganar las almas para Cristo. A desire to win people to Jesus. Ser testimonio. To be a testimony. De lo que él hizo un día. The, to what he has done de lo que él hace cada día en nosotros to what he does every day in us en usted in you y en lo que puede hacer en los que están afuera necesitados and in what he has yet to do in those who are not yet here Jesús está presente en cada uno de nosotros Jesus is present and living in every one of us y su Espíritu Santo and his Holy Spirit nos une unites us en un mismo amor In the same love. Y en un mismo And in the same desire. Dios le bendiga. Y gracias. Thank gracias you. a los pastores. Thank you to the pastors. Por confiar en nosotros. To have faith and trust in us. Gracias a los ancianos. Thank you to the elders. A todo el cuerpo de Cristo. To the entire body of Christ. A nuestra congregación que tanto amamos. To our congregation that we love so much. Que confiamos que... Con la ayuda de Dios y de ustedes vamos a salir adelante nuevamente. And we believe together we are going to move forward. Y vamos a hacer crecer el reino de Dios. We are going to grow the kingdom of God. En el pueblo hispano. In the Hispanic community. Porque ustedes están para ganar el pueblo americano. Because you're here to, to win the English speaking people. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless. I just want to say too, también quiero decir... They have uh, come in and they said, can we please clean out the stage? 
So they moved the stuff that was on the stage with their people, moved it all the way up to the rooms upstairs, have cleaned that building. The other day she brought me in the kitchen and said, uh, we, this floor, we need to buff it. We're going to get a buffer and buff it. They painted the stage. They said, can we pay to replace the flooring in here? I hadn't actually, I don't think, ever set foot on the stage up there. And the tile was cracked and folding up on the corners. They paid for the flooring. They installed the flooring. They are taking care of it um, like people who know how to take care of God's house. Amen. Estamos tan agradecidos por todo el, el trabajo que han hecho en, en, en uh, el otro edificio. So we're so grateful to have them. And it has just been a divine connection. And I just have to say, they're extra special to me because they're Argentine and that's where my family is. <laughs> son extra especiales para mí porque son argentinos y ahí está mi familia, está en Buenos Aires. That's all. Love you. Entonces fuerte aplauso uno más. Well, we are starting a new series this morning uh, called Bold. Everybody say Bold. Bold Evangelism. And uh, uh, I am excited because God is asking us to pray bold prayers. And we are starting this 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, this month. And Wednesday night, everybody say Wednesday night. You do not want to miss what is going to happen in this room on Wednesday night. We're going to worship. We're going to pray there's not going to be any preaching. We're, we're going to come with very little agenda, but just to be in God's presence. Amen? And we're going to pray for sick people to be healed and for God to move. I'm encouraging you. Make sure you make it on Wednesday night. But we are believing that as we pray bold prayers, we will begin to then go into a bold evangelism. And let me just tell you, right now, in the next four weeks, we have the opportunity as the body of Christ to really take hold of evangelism. And if you don't know what that means, that just simply means telling others about God. And right now we are coming into Easter. Everybody say Easter. How many of you are like, man, Easter's already coming. It's already like, man, how, what happened to this, this year in 2021? Easter is the first week of April. And did you know statistics prove that people are more willing to come to church than in, during Easter than any other time. So let me ask you this. How many of you have a family member, a friend, a coworker, somebody in your life that you know through some channel that needs to hear about the hope of Jesus in their lives? Raise your hands if you know somebody that needs to hear about the hope of Jesus in their life. Easter is the easiest time to invite them. So one of the things that I'm praying this, this month, is as we do this 21 days of prayer and fasting, is I'm praying for a special boldness to come over every single one of us in this room as we prepare for what God wants to do during Easter. And so today, I want to talk about a different kind of prayer, a different kind of prayer. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. Lord, thank you for the beautiful body of Christ gathered here together today. And I pray that you would help us to live with boldness in our hearts, boldness in our, on our lips, boldness in our behavior. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 
How many of you that have children ever had a moment in your life when you were growing up, when your kids were growing up, or maybe you, you currently have young kids in the house, but how many of you in some way, shape, or form have had your children do something in a public setting or say something to someone in a public setting and you had the thought to yourself, I can't believe they just said that. Raise your hands. Or I, I can't believe they just did that. Uh, we had one of those moments uh, years ago when Libby was uh, younger. She was going into Rudolph Mattis Elementary School right here in Metairie. It's a public school. And uh, we were taking her to get registered and we took her in. And so we were in the uh, kind of the, the administrative offices and the principal all of a sudden walked in uh, to the, the office and, and she, she met Libby. The principal said, hi, you know, she, she introduced herself and, and Libby looked at the principal and she said, we have so much work to do this year. And the principal said, oh, what do you mean, Libby? She's looking at this little new kindergartner in her school. And, and, uh, and Libby turned. She looked at the principal with the most serious look on her face. And she said, well, we've got to lead this entire school to Jesus Christ this year. And the principal of that public uh, elementary school looked at her and said, oh, really? We do. And Libby said, yes, we've got to get to work right away doing this. It was at that moment that I, uh, you know, I, I looked at her and you know, there's like a part of me that wanted to be really proud of her and be like, my daughter gets it. We got to lead people to Jesus. Yes. And then there was the other part of me, the adult part of me that went, ooh, probably not the best entrance into the school that we could have had. Because here's the thing, we learned something, and, and we're actually taught this at a very young age, we are taught that bold is bad. We are taught at a young age that bold is bad. And this morning, we're going to look at a story about boldness, and we're going to learn that bold isn't always bad, that bold can be really good. In fact, the story is, is really based not too long after Jesus had left the, pl the, the, the planet to go, uh, left the earth to go to heaven, and, and, uh, and the disciples, there was about 12 of them that were gathered there when Jesus ascended, and, and the movement had started to grow. It grew to 120, and then uh, on, on a day of Pentecost, 120 were there, and, and then they preached Jesus and the resurrection, and then it grew even more. It grew by thousands, and so this, this movement is small, but it's growing. It's growing in nature, and there were several events that took place for this movement to really get off to a fast growth. I mean, you want to talk about church growth. These people knew how to grow a church. And, and one of them, one of the events that took place were uh, when Peter and John were up, to, they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Let me just say that again. They were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So they were going to the church to the hour of prayer prayer. I don't know if you're getting that. They were on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. We have some hours of prayer at the temple uh, here. And so every Friday from 6 to 7 a.m., uh, you can be like Peter and John in the, in the Bible. You can make your way to the temple at the hour of prayer. Or from, on Fridays from 12 to 1, you can come to the hour of prayer. Or Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we're going to have a time 
of prayer. So that's a side note, not even in my notes. Let's keep going. So they're on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. And on their way to the temple, there's a lame beggar there. Lame means that that this guy couldn't walk. And many of you know the story. Peter and John look at the guy and, and they say, hey, silver and gold, we do not have what we have. Uh, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And this guy gets up on his feet for the first time and he walks. How many think that's kind of exciting? Yeah. And so all of a sudden, uh, they, they begin to preach to this crowd because a crowd gathers and, and when they see, oh, that's the lame beggar. He couldn't walk. Now he can walk. This crowd is beginning to gather in the temple courts and Peter and John begin to preach about Jesus. They begin to preach about the resurrection of, of Jesus. And this is actually uh, incredible because 5,000 people join the movement. They're at it and that's just men. That's not even women and children. So the church grows by thousands now this is actually a really big problem for the Roman uh, the Roman Roman powers and the people that were in control of the temple because the problem is that there was a very delicate balance of power between Rome and the people the leaders of the temple and the balance of power kind of went like this Rome told uh, those temple leaders they said hey we'll let you remain in power if you can just do two things if you can collect the taxes from uh, the people, and if you can make sure that you maintain control of the people, that you maintain control of the crowd. Well, Peter and John and this lame guy walking and all of these people getting saved by this man, you know, according to this man named Jesus who had risen from the dead, this is really messing up the balance of power. How many of you like when Jesus messes up the balance of power? Yeah, it's really messing everything up. And so these guys, they send the temple guards in to, to collect these guys, and they throw Peter and John in jail because they're thinking to themselves, if we can just throw these guys in jail, maybe we can calm the situation down a little bit, and we can get them to stop preaching about Jesus and about the resurrection. So they throw them in jail. They bring them out the next morning to confront them. And they actually say this word, these words. They say, what is this name you keep talking about? And what is this crazy story you keep talking about with a resurrection? Now, that's my version of what the Bible says. What is this name that you're talking about? What is this crazy story you're talking about, about this man named Jesus raising from the dead? And so, again, after they've been in jail all night, Peter and John say, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, We're going to go ahead and preach again. And so... They just started, they preached the same message. They preached about Jesus. They preached about the resurrection. And these guys get so irate. They threaten them. They warn them. They say, if you don't stop preaching in this name, we are going to kill you. Now, they had a pretty good record of killing people. Jesus had just been executed several months before this event happened. So these disciples knew they're serious. They actually have the ability and the power and the follow-through to kill people. They said, if you don't stop preaching about this person, Jesus, and about the resurrection, we are going to kill you. The problem was that they put these guys on trial there, and the lame beggar showed up for the trial. How many of you think that's kind of a party pooper, you know? Like, like the guy who got healed is, shows up at the trial and says, hey, you know, you may not want to, you know, put these guys or, or kill these guys. They, they actually helped me walk. And so they're in a really difficult scenario. The leaders and the powers that be are in a really diff- difficult scenario at this point. And I just want you to see Acts chapter 4, verse 12, one of the things that Peter and John say. They say, salvation is found in no one else, 
For there is no other name under heaven to man, given to mankind by which we must be saved. At which the Roman leaders and the temple leaders became furious. I mean, irate. If you enjoy the King James Version of the Bible, the, the version would say they were ticketh offeth. They were upset. Looking at these guys and saying, hey, I can't believe that you, would, that you would keep preaching. I mean, these guys just don't won't quit talking about Jesus and talking about the resurrection. And so they say, hey, let's go ahead and send these guys. We think we've warned them enough. Let's send them back out of the, out of the city and try to calm this whole mess down. And so Peter and John return, and they come into this new group of people called Jesus followers. They were following the way. And they gather together, and Luke, in the book of Acts, gives us this incredible picture of the very first prayer that the early church prayed. The very first prayer that the early church prayed. Now remember, you've got to get in your mind now. They've spent the night in jail. They've been warned if they keep preaching, they're going to be executed. And they've already been persecuted, and this is their prayer. I'm going to read the last verse to you. Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great, everybody say that word together, boldness. Actually, let's say it like we mean, let's say boldness. Yeah. Hmm. Wait, wait a second. We've spent the night in jail. We've been threatened that we're going to be executed. Uh, we have been told to stop preaching about Jesus. And we are now praying for more boldness. Why would we be praying, praying for boldness? Boldness is what got us into trouble in the first place. Hello? I mean, I want you to picture yourself in the story. I want you to picture, look this way, y'all. I want you to picture what kind of good American prayers we would pray. If we were gathered together today, our life has been threatened, and we've just spent the night in jail for preaching about Jesus and the resurrection, I think most likely we would have prayed prayers for protection, right? We probably would have prayed prayers for safety. Probably would have prayed prayers for wisdom. Probably would have prayed prayers like, Lord, keep us safe, bless the food, and God give us traveling mercies as we travel. Hello? These are good American prayers that we pray. It's interesting that we pray for safety and for protection and for our food and for no harm to come to our families and any of that. We constantly pray for safety and watch this. We live in one of the safest countries in the world and yet we pray for protection and safety and peace and wisdom. Let me just ask you this question this morning and this is for all of us including me. Can you remember the last time you prayed for boldness? Can you remember the last time that you asked God to make you more bold than you currently are? Some of you say, I've never prayed a prayer for boldness. I've never asked God to give me boldness so I could tell other people about him. And I wonder, here's, here's my thought, I wonder if the first century Christians prayed the same kinds of prayers that 21st century Americans pray, I wonder if Christianity would have made it out of the first century. 
I wonder if the first century Christians that prayed prayer, if they would have prayed the kind of prayers that we pray for safety and protection and wisdom and guidance and peace. And I wonder if we would have prayed those kinds of prayers. I just have to wonder if you and I would be sitting here today in 21st century America, and I wonder if we would have prayed those, if they would have prayed the same kind of prayers that we pray, I wonder if we would even be here today. I wonder if Christianity would have made it out of the first century. So here's kind of the premise of where we're going today. What would happen? What could happen in our church, in our community, in our country, in our world? What would happen if God's people, instead of constantly praying for safety and protection and our American prayers and bless this food and, uh, and protect us and give us traveling mercies and help me to get a good grade on this test, Lord, even though I forgot to study. And, and, and God, you know, if you could just help me and bless me and protect me and guide me and help me and bless me and protect me and guide me and help me and bless me and protect me and guide me. I wonder if we switched out those prayers and we get begin to pray, God, give us boldness. Give me boldness with my family members who don't know you. Give me boldness with the, the co-workers that are sitting next to me that are far from you. Give me boldness with uh, my neighborhood, God. Give me boldness to, to preach your gospel, to tell other people about you. I wonder the impact that we could have in our community if we begin to pray for boldness. Hello? We begin to ask the Holy Spirit, would you make us bold? Because those people are in desperate need of you. Let's quickly get back to the story. So now they've spent time in jail. They've been warned, and, they, and they, now they've prayed this prayer of boldness, and they decide, okay, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to go back to the very same place where we just preached, and why not do it again? So now this is a third time if you're keeping track. A third time that they're now preaching this message of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And here's what's happening now. Now neighboring towns and, and, and villages are starting to gather so this movement is growing even further. It started with 5,000 getting saved. Now more people are getting, getting saved and they're coming to know Jesus. Now people are gathering. The word is beginning to spread. This is a giant problem for the authorities. It's a giant issue for the authorities. So again, what do they do? They have these guys arrested for a second time. This whole thing is starting to be redundant, isn't it? In fact, some of you are tired of me preaching about it because I'm saying the same thing over and over. Can you imagine what it was like to be there and to say, hey, let's go for round three. Let's go ahead, preach again, and let's plan on being arrested. In fact, why don't you just take a few extra clothes because you know we're going to jail, you know? When they're getting ready to throw them into jail and they're asking these guys, why won't you just shut up about this man named Jesus and about his resurrection? Here's what they say. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. We are witnesses of this thing. Everybody say witnesses. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. They're witnesses. In other words, 
we can't help but speak not of, of what we know about, but what we have actually seen with our own eyes. We actually saw him raised from the dead. Let me give you a little bit of hope this morning if you're here. Here's the hope. Your faith does not stand on some myth that might have happened. People actually saw Jesus after he was resurrected from the dead. In fact, Paul tells us in Corinthians, five, over 500 people saw him after he was raised from the dead. So the disciples are saying, we can't help it. We actually saw him after he was raised from the dead. And we can't shut up about this thing. We can't help ourselves. Well, after a whole lot of commotion, a well-respected leader named Gamaliel comes into the picture and he says, hey, I don't think it's a good idea to kill these guys. I think if you kill these guys, you're literally going to have a revolution on your hands. We're going to have a, a civil war going on right here if we kill these guys. You need to probably let them go. And so here's what they decide to do. Acts chapter 5 verse 40. After Gamaliel's done talking, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. Now let me just stop here for a second. Let's talk. I want to talk to you about this word flogged. Some of you maybe have never heard of the word or maybe you've, you've just heard of the word whipped or beaten, but the, the word flogged actually has some connotations that are, uh, you know, for some of us we think, okay, they flogged them. What does that mean? Is that like a, a step past a spanking, you know? Is that just a little bit harder spanking? No, I want to just let you know about what happened and the way that they would flog people during this time in history. See, when they say that they were flogged, here's what that means. Some of you saw, in fact, let me just see your hands, if you saw The Passion of the Christ, a movie that came out a long time ago about the persecution and the, and the death of Jesus. If you saw that movie, you saw that the way that they would flog people is that they would actually whip them and they would wind the, the whip around them, and at the end of the whip, there would be pieces of bone, metal, or wood, usually seven to nine pieces of bone, metal, or wood that would, would wind around them when they flogged them, and then when they would pull those back, those would create huge markings all over their bodies. And they would do this over and over and over. Now, here's the most amazing thing about the story. The most amazing thing about the story is that they typically would, would never flog more than two people at the same time. So get this now, there's 12 disciples that have gone back. It started with two, Peter and John. Now all of them have, have come back and, and all of them, watch this now, are watching their brothers be flogged because it, they would literally have to stand there and watch two at a time. They would have to watch their brothers be flogged. So in other words, they would watch their brothers and they would see the flogging. They would see the marks on their body. They would smell the flesh. And they would hear the screams of their brothers. Two at a time. Next. Two more. Next. Two more. Next. Two more. And you know what the biblical record tells us? Not one of them recanted the name of Jesus. They literally bore the marks on their bodies. 
They said, we can't help it. We love Jesus so much. He was raised from the dead that we're willing to bear the marks on our bodies of boldness. Wow. Now, they send them away in Acts chapter 5, verse 40, part B. They said, then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Kind of funny that they would say again, <laughs> hey, we're kind of tired of this. Please don't say Jesus again. Please don't preach about Jesus and his resurrection again. Here's what, they, here's what they said as they were walking away, as they were dragging their bodies. Most likely they probably couldn't walk at this point. Acts 5.41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They're dragging them away. And they say, that was amazing. We are so glad we are counted worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. How many of you are willing to say, that's a different kind of Christianity than we live with? Hello? Yeah. It's much different. So here's how I could end the message as the band comes. What I could, the way that I could end the message is I could, I could uh, really tell some stories about some modern day martyrs because by the way, in much of the world, this, this thing, this, this same kind of deal still exists. In much of the world, flogging still happens. In much of the world, things still take place. I just read an article about uh, uh, some believers in Venezuela uh, this week, this last week, that they literally carved crosses in their back with knives because they wanted to persecute them. And, and that's, that, that still happens. But the problem is, I could tell you more stories like that. And then, you know, some of you might cry a little bit and some of you might, you know, uh, say, wow, you know, but then, you know, the next thing out of our mouth would be, okay, well, where do you want to eat lunch today? Because we just can't relate. It doesn't even compute with us. It doesn't even make sense to us. Here in America, where we have more freedom to be bold and we're less bold than most Christ followers around the world. Here in America, where we have more safety and our number one prayer is for safety. It doesn't compute with us. So what I thought today is I'd just give you some practical steps to boldness. I want to give you three very practical steps in the next five minutes that is going to help you be more bold. And if you would be so kind to take out your phone or whatever you're taking notes on, I just want to give you three practical steps that you can take to, to be more bold. I want to give us a, a kickstart in our boldness because we're kind of, we're kind of first graders we're kind of kindergartners with this boldness thing. Here's three steps. Bold is deciding to say something when it would be easier to say nothing. Bold is deciding to say something when it would be easier to say nothing. How many of you know it's always easier to say nothing? Come on. My hand's raised. I've missed opportunities. 
I've had times where I didn't say anything. Bold is saying something when it would be easier to say nothing. Bold is going, going ahead and inviting that person to church. Bold is going ahead and sending that text message. Bold is going ahead and when the door opens, when it swings open for you to say something, that you would go ahead and tell them what God is doing in your life. By the way, bold is not, I'm a Christian, so I'm better than you, and I'm going to tell you how to become more like me. How many know that's not Jesus? Bold is saying, I have the same struggles that you have. I just have some answers that I've found. Somebody said it really well one time. They said, telling people about Jesus is like one beggar telling another beggar where there's bread. Bold is deciding to say something when it would be easier to say nothing. Number two, bold is taking advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. Bold is taking advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. This happens to us all the time. Little windows, little cracks, little, little windows of, of opportunity that open up where all of a sudden there's an opportunity that presents itself. And let me give you a hint. When you begin to look for opportunities, you'll begin to see the opportunities that come. When you say, God, let me live with my eyes open. When the opportunities come for me to share my faith, when the opportunities come for me to invite them to church, when the opportunities come for me to talk about what God's doing in my life, Lord, let me live with my eyes open so I can present the gospel to them. I got a call this week from uh, an incredible friend of mine, a leader in this church, that actually had the opportunity to pray with his plumber that came to his house. And guess what, y'all? I'm not going to point him out. The plumber is in the building, y'all. Come on. The plumber's in the building. And we are so glad he's here. We are so glad he's here. Bold is taking advantage of opportunities that present themselves. And last thing, bold is creating opportunities. Bold is creating opportunities. Bold is leaning into awkward. Bold is leaning in. Bold is saying, you know what? I love Jesus so much. I love God so much that I'm, I'm willing to lean in. I'm willing to go for it. I'm willing uh, to, to, to invite them to church. I'm, I'm willing to pray with them. Go ahead and, and pray. I'm willing to share what God's doing in my life. I, I'm willing to create those opportunities. Bold is actually creating those opportunities. Now, how many of you here that we're actually invited by someone. Many of you may have to go a lot of years back, okay? But how many of you at some point, somebody invited you to church? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Somebody invited you. Raise your hands. Okay? Keep them up. Let me ask you a question with your hands raised. Are you mad at those people? Are you mad? You ever just want to call them and say, thanks a lot. You invited me to church. I gave my life to Jesus. My life is turned around. Now I have hope. Now I have a future. Now my life is totally better than it was. I just want to say thank you because I'm really mad at you. Here's an advantage to being bold. You have to see in the future for people. 
You have to go past the present, and you have to see what God could do in their life. You have to see how God could turn around their family. You have to see how God could turn around their emotions. You have to see how God could turn around their situations in their life. You have to see them full of joy, even though they're standing in front of you and they don't have joy. And so what, that, what does that do? That makes you create opportunities. That makes you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite when it's be more comfortable not to. I, I'm gonna say a prayer with them when it would be more comfortable not to. I, I'm gonna go ahead and tell them what God's doing in my life when it would be more comfortable not to. You've gotta create opportunities. I wanna ask you a question, and I don't want you to raise your hands. I just want you to ponder on this. I wanna ask you a question. How many of you have intentional relationships with people who don't know Christ? I'm talking about you intentionally. You don't have to answer. You intentionally spend time with unbelievers to see them come to know Jesus Christ on a weekly basis, on a regular basis. One of the ways that I, in the past, have created opportunities is, is by coaching soccer. I co- I've coached soccer for many reasons. One is it connects me to my kids Two is it gives me an opportunity to, to yell as loud as I want to in the open air. It's so fun for me. And three, it puts me around people who don't know Jesus. It creates opportunities for me to share the gospel. And I don't have time to tell you the stories of the families that have come in and given their life to Christ that are a part of our church in both of our locations that are a part of our church because of those opportunities that were there. And one of the things I do at the beginning of the season is I have a party, and I, I, it's a, t- a team party that we have at the beginning of every season, and I, I sell it as we're gonna have this party because I wanna share with you my coaching philosophies, plus we're gonna get to know each other, so we'll have everybody over to our homes. That was, remember the time when we used to have people into our houses? It was like a year and three months ago, you know? You remember that? And we'll have everybody over into our house And then I'll say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go around the circle, and mom, dad, I'm going to ask you to share one, you know, ask, tell us your son or your daughter's name on the team, how long they've been playing soccer. Then I want you to tell us one thing in your life that is really important to you. Y'all see what I'm doing here? Y'all see where I'm going? Hello? I'm doing that whole thing so I can get to myself. So I can say, the most important thing in my life is my faith in Jesus Christ. And I, I just want to let all of you know, I, I'm not going to bug you about it, but I am going to invite you a whole lot of times to come to my church. And that might make you feel weird, but I promise you're going to like me for it. And guess what? One of them that I've been inviting and inviting and inviting and inviting and inviting for many, many years is coming on Easter. The reason I know that is I just texted with them about a month ago, and he said, he said, man, I'm finally gonna show up at your church. You've been asking me for three years. I'm coming this Easter. Come on. Bold is creating opportunities. I'm not coaching right now. So I'm gonna have to start knocking on some doors in my neighborhood. I'm gonna be the guy that brings a plate of cookies and an invite card. Says, will you come for Easter? Here's what I'm asking you to do over the next few weeks. Will you go ahead and text that person? Will you go ahead and knock on their door? Will you go ahead and invite that family member, that friend, that coworker? At a time when most likely they may say yes. 
I'm asking you to go ahead and create those opportunities. Now, there are some of us, we are not bold because we have forgotten what it was like to live without hope. It's some of you have, have been giving your life to Christ and it's been so long ago that you forget what it was like to be without the hope of Christ. I'm asking you to remember so you can be bold again. Some of us, we're just busy. We just get busy, so we don't have time to be bold because we got stuff to do, man. We're important. People are calling. We, we got to get things done, man. We got a lot. We're trying to raise a family. We're trying to get this or that done. We're trying to figure things out. We got a lot of Facebook posts we got to get ready. I'm asking us not to be so busy that we forget to be bold. Andy Stanley says it like this. Past boldness is no assurance of future boldness. I'm asking you to create opportunities. Now let me talk lastly to those of you that are not followers of Jesus. If you're here and you're not a churchy person, you're, you're not used to church or you're not used to God and, and uh, maybe you're not a Jesus follower, maybe you came because somebody invited you and, and uh, you're just honoring their request because they're a nice person and you're here, here's maybe what you're thinking. You might be thinking, I knew it. I knew it. Ah, these Christians, man, they just, this is what they do. They just, you know, they're just trying to get me in. They're just trying to get, you know, I knew it. I knew that they wanted to share about this message of Jesus. I knew it. I knew. I knew it. I knew it. Here's the good news for you. I have good news for you. The good news is, most likely, you are surrounded by Christians in some area of your life, probably at your job, Maybe your, your kids' soccer games, whatever. You're surrounded by a group of Christians that are what I call secret Christians. In other words, here's the good news for you. Most of the people in your life probably aren't going to say anything. They're probably not going to invite you. They're probably not going to pray with you. They're probably not going to tell you about God. But we believe here... Here's what we believe in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We actually believe this is literally true that all of us not only deserve to hear about the hope of Christ on this planet but after we leave the earth that we are going to spend eternity somewhere and we pray that that eternity is spent in heaven with Jesus not in hell where God doesn't want anybody to go to. We actually believe that's true. And so here's what you have to understand. We are not being bold for our sake. In fact, it would be way easier for us if we decided not to be bold. We don't do this for our sake. We do this for your sake. Because we care. Because we love you. Because we want you to experience the same hope that we've experienced with our lives. Because we believe God loves you. So much that he gave his son. And he wants us to be bold 